Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. friends forever. This is not the Fantasy BFFs. I mean, it is. It's Florio and I. It's Fantasy Baseball Today. No Al Melchior. He's on vacation. Fantasy Baseball Hour. Fantasy Baseball Today is what it used to be called. That is the CBS Sports Podcast that Al Melchior used to work for. So there you go. Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Uh, Al is off the next couple of days. So, in its place, you get an extra hour of your BFFs. That is Mike Florio. I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, for an extra hour. We we gave you a lot of Yankee talk, uh, a lot of Met talk in hour number one. We'll go around the majors here in hour two. Yes, I will unplug Carton's board now. Shut my sound off. Um, You know what? That was actually just JP apologizing, so no worries, JP. I'm just kidding. He wasn't apologizing. We had a call at 844-843-6879. 844-843-6879. Let's go to Steven in Massachusetts. What's up, Steve? Hey, Greg. Uh, I had a question for you. I know I know that the BFF is, is over, but I was just wondering about uh, uh, Marcus Stroman. Should I add him? Should he add Marcus Stroman? We talked about all these players coming back from injury, Florio. We didn't mention Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman stinks. I said this the other day. I, I would take a chance on Marcus Stroman because, yes, he was terrible before this DL stint. But remember, he was dealing with the shoulder injury in spring. He's still dealing with it. it went on, that's why he's been out. Maybe that's why he's been pitching so poorly. I obviously don't think he's going to pitch to a above 7 ERA the rest of the year. I was the kind of the low guy on Stroman coming into the year. Did not think he would be yes, this bad. Sure. But I kind of said, if you look at it, Last year when he had a 3.09 ERA, the year before that he had a 4.37 ERA, the ERA indicators were almost the same. In fact, they were lower the year he had the 4.37 ERA. So to me, I kind of thought he was a pitcher somewhere in the middle, would pitch to a high 3 ERA, not going to give you a bunch of strikeouts. He's more of a guy I like in points leagues because he'll go deep into games and those innings count for points. But I, I do think he is a guy in 15-team leagues, if he was out there, I'm definitely adding 12-team points leagues, I'm adding as well. Speaking of players coming back, um, is it? <laughs> this is so embarrassing. When I see, like, uh, we gave a report a moment ago, right? That Syndergaard's throwing from 120 feet. That um, Archer's throwing from 120 feet. So to me, I just thought this is like long toss. Is that like weird? No. Yeah, I thought it was just like, all right, they're 120 feet separated, obviously. And there's long toss. They loosen up that arm, loosen up the shoulder. Uh, for Syndergaard, the, the grip, obviously. But I was just watching a, a highlight of the Yankee game. And Tanaka was throwing in the outfield before the game. And he was not, like, long-tossing it. He was not on a mound. He was in the outfield. But he was going through, like, his wind-up. The catcher was crouching, and he was throwing in the outfield. Is that really what it means when they throw up from 120 feet? I, I would imagine so. I, I don't know. I know it's almost always the first step. Like, if that goes well, then you do a bullpen. If that goes well, then you get into a simulated game and rehab and all that. But... 
I will say one time I was at a Met game and Clayton Kershaw was playing catch and he was throwing like the length of the entire outfield. Yeah. Like it was nothing. And I was just like blown away by that. Hmm. I mean, he was throwing literally from one side of the outfield to the other. So impressive. With ease, just like whoop. I used to see uh Robinson Cano do that before Yankee games. He would just launch the ball. It's it, it, and it's so effortless to me. Effortlessly. It's literally just like Pat the glove and you throw it and it goes a and it, Yeah, it's like, wow, I could throw a ball as hard as I could and maybe make it halfway. Like Mine would not make it that far either. <laughs> Speaking of players returning, last night Joey Lucchese struggled in his return on the mound, going not even two full innings, just three hits, a couple of walks, four earned runs, three strikeouts. He allowed two earned runs, not the comeback we were hoping for. No, I had, at, before he even pitched last night, I had a, a bid in on him. I got him for a dollar out of 100 in the league. because yeah, And a, you're, then you're like, cool. Yeah, it happened, and I was like, oh, I really want to trust this guy on his two-start week next week. But I, one thing I was looking at uh, with how he pitched was uh, where his pitch usage sat yesterday compared to other games. And I think it's very interesting and worth mentioning that primarily before the injury, he was throwing his changeup as his sec- big prime secondary pitch. That changed yesterday. He threw his changeup just 1.9% of the time, and his lowest before that was 22.5%. In most games, it was over 30%. So he's throwing it 2% of the time now. And he threw his curveball, which he had never thrown more than 4% in any game before the DL stint, 27.5% of the time last night. So... To me, that's something to keep an eye on. Like, was it just one game thing, or was maybe they were picking up the pitch differently, or is this a trend now that we have to watch? Yeah, I think it's something you absolutely have to take a look at. It's something you absolutely have to uh, stay involved with, keep keep watching, keep eyeing, because it, it's it's a change from what worked for Joey Lucchese. Yeah, yeah, it's something you're gonna have to keep an eye on. He was pitching very well. You look at it as well. His velocity was on par with what it normally is, but. The fact that he's throwing his curve so much and he got rid of that changeup, which was an effective pitch for him, I, that's something I'm going to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I uh, I, I, ooh, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. John Lester, yesterday, seven innings, five hits, zero earned runs, three walks, and a K. And we keep telling everybody to sell John Lester, sell John Lester. He's getting to the point where like, we should not, we should stop that. Just stop doing that. The note I wrote down was he somehow continues to defy the peripherals. And it his ERA right now is 2.10. The FIP is two runs higher at 4.18. The XFIP is two and a half runs higher at 4.51. His uh, Ks per nine are a career low. The walks are the highest it's been since 2011. He's not pitching well. Like, the numbers say he's not pitching well right now. But the results have been great. I, I, the BABIP sits at 231. The strand rate is high at 87.6. I think we will start to see that normalize, especially since his hard hit rate is 10% higher almost than what it's been in years past. It's at 36.6%. It hasn't been higher than 30% since 2007. Yeah. So he is somehow defying the odds right now. I'm still sticking by it. I'm selling John Lester. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of had to reverse Jake Arrieta's season from last year. But how much of what is going well for Lester defying the expectations is because of that awesome defense behind him? I mean, it's not as good as it was two years ago, certainly. But all these pitchers had really low fifths and X-fifths because of the fantastic defense. We always talk about that with Kyle Hendricks. How much of that this year of Lester defying expectations is that defense? 
I would certainly say that defense is a big factor, but we look at 2016 was the year where they just were all in the top in the top like 12 of lowest BABIPs in the league. His was 256 that year. It's 231 now. He was giving up a lot, significantly less hard contact than the ERA indicators. While yes, they were a run higher than his 244 ERA, that was still significantly lower than where they sit now. I I don't know how John Lester is smoking mirroring his way through this, but. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if his first half is great, his second half he pitches to an ERA like four points something. So you're still selling John Lester. Though. I think after what he did last night, now is the is a prime time to sell. People are gonna look at John Lester and be like, Wow, this guy's pitching great. His ERA is a low two, he's a Cy Young candidate. It's funny, he's pitching this well. Well, I put in quotes. He's pitching no well. one mentions him as a Cy Young candidate. He's an ERA barely over two. It's true. You know, I mean it's because Max Scherzer's in this league. Yeah, and DeGrom. And DeGrom. And Aaron Nola. But John Lester, I think you like you could sell to someone, hey, Cy Young candidate John Lester, and probably get a very, very good player back. Potentially so. If you're in that 12-team league, do it, man. M- remember, when we first brought this up, we were saying, like, oh, we'll trade him for pitchers who are below him but we like more. I think you could shoot even higher now. Where there's w- I get it. Everyone has access to fan graphs. But there are still people out there, I 100%, feel like, who, absolutely. who think, oh, hey, who, so what if the numbers say he's pitching bad? This guy, halfway through the year, has an ERA barely over two. Take advantage of that guy if you can. Absolutely. I very much uh, agree with that. Moving on to other, other performances last night. My man, Jake Junis. Probably start for, for Jake Junis last night. Three innings, three runs, over six innings. So it's not really a quality start, according to Matt Modica. But for our purposes, it counts. And given that he had the quality start, we got to bring him up. I know the ERA is not great. The fifth's not great. But Jake Junis has been solid. Yeah, Jake Junis is, is the rare case of the pitcher who, like, we kept calling for regression. And regression hit him. But it wasn't like, like Ronaldo Lopez regression, where it's Ronaldo Lopez has three games this year where he's just completely annihilated your, your whip and ERA and everything. Yep. Jake Junis hasn't been pitching as well as he was early on the year, but he's still serviceable and still getting the job done and still worth owning in 15-team leagues. He's owned in both of my 12-team leagues as well. So regression did hit him. His his BABIP isn't below 200 anymore. It's at 270, which is normal. His strand rate isn't in the high 80s anymore. It's at 79.9. The ERA is significantly closer to the FIP and XFIP than it was back in like at the end of April, but he's still getting the job done and still... It, Six innings, three year runs isn't a great start, but it's a quality start and it gets you points and and it helps you in uh, in roto league. So yes, I agree. Jake Junis is definitely a serviceable pitcher going forward. Yeah, he he no doubt is. Uh, Jake Junis, um, Jake Junis is somebody that we've always when picking up a player, we're like, all right, do you want this guy or Jake Junis? And a lot of the times we went to that other player, but I think you hit it right, Mike, where it's like. Hey, the regression's coming, and it came, but it just hasn't been a disaster. Right, he's not going to pitch to a two ERA. But the fact that he's on a brutal team, and he's giving you what he's giving you, and he's gotten a couple of wins, that's okay. It's okay, especially in a 15-team league. I think there's something to be said for this. I know no one gets excited when you go five innings anymore, but seeing how the state of baseball is, like it's rare when a not rare, but it's a lot less common when a pitcher goes six innings than it was even just five years ago. Jake Junis' shorting outing of the year is 4.2 innings. He's gone more five or plus every other start. There's a place for that in your fantasy team. There's no doubt. I completely agree with you. You mentioned Ronaldo Lopez last night. 
Four and a third, six hits, five runs, four walks, six Ks. The most concerning number were all those walks, obviously, Florio. Um, four walks is going is gonna to kill you. Up and down the season for Ronaldo Lopez, really his first full season in the majors. Yeah, yesterday was a, was a bad outing, like you said. The walks were killer. And if you look at his game log, he's been, there's been really no in-between with Ronaldo Lopez. Like, he's been more good than bad this year. I'm not going to deny that by any stretch. But you look at the bad outings, two innings, six earned runs, two and two-thirds, seven earned runs. Last night, four and a third, four earned runs, four walks. So when he's bad, he gets absolutely shelled. But outside of those three terrible, terrible, terrible outings, this guy's been really, really good. Like, I know you can't say, oh, well, if you take those three starts away, he'd be amazing. Well, so you say to the Blake Snell, right? You take the Yankee starts away. He's well, the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, because that's against the Yankees. This, his bad starts have been, yeah, last night was against Cleveland. He had the one really bad game against Pittsburgh and the other one against Cleveland. So kind of like that. Like, Blake Snell has had two really bad games this year, both against the Yankees. Two of his three bad games have been against the Indians. So sit him against Cleveland. And then the rest of it, I'm looking at his game logs. I'm seeing a lot of six, seven, even one eight-inning games. And the strikeouts are there. He's like oh, just under he, he, some of the outings he's been a strikeout per inning guy. But on the year, he hasn't been. But you look at it, I do think there is still more regression coming to Ronaldo Lopez. And I don't think he is this great. But so far, I think you'll take with what you got from him. Frankie Montas, somebody I've asked you guys about uh, before. I know Frank's gone back and forth on him. Last night, six and two-thirds, five hits, a run, three walks, six strikeouts. The guy's series is a 2.41, Floria. It does. He is a guy, though, I would be looking to sell right now. Yep. Because you look at it, his case per nine is 5.6. That's atrocious. His FIP is at 3.69. The XFIP is 4.32. Strand rate at 80%. All right, like... To me, he is kind of a smoke and mirrors pitcher who gives up 44.3% hard hit rate. I don't really trust it. He doesn't give me enough strikeouts to want to own him in Roto. And in a points league, I'm not starting him. Where In those typical formats, you don't start. You start like six pitchers, five pitchers in those leagues. I can't, I can't use him over guys like that. So I don't really have a place for him in, on my fantasy rosters. Like He's a guy if I owned, it's been fun, I'm looking to sell. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Um, it's been fun. You got some good stuff out of it. Ooh. Uh, the Red Sox are now up 4 nothing over the Twins. Xander Bogertz with a double too deep left. That brought home J.D. Martinez and Mitch Moreland. Bogertz went to third on the throw home. Red Sox are up 4 nothing. Rafael Devers, who is over 3 with 2Ks on the day, uh, not so good, is up right now. J.D. Martinez and Aaron Judge are probably the two leading MVP candidates right now, right? I think it's just J.D. Martinez, man. I think it's very clear. I think I would vote him one. I'd probably put Judge two. Nobody on Houston? Tuve? Tuve only has, last night was his sixth home run of the year. But he's leading lead in average. Yeah, he does that. But he really didn't get he it last that. year until he had a power surge. It's true. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's J.D. Martinez and then Judge. Martinez but, is first, though. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, you know until what? Until he gets hurt. Jose Ramirez is in that, too. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's third. Those Jose, are the top three. Jose Ramirez is definitely, is definitely in there. The NL MVP is wide open. I have no idea. The NL I think it would go to Freeman right now. Uh, Rafael Devers just grabbed that. Ah. I forgot he had a man on, and I saw 5 nothing. I was like, whoa. He had an RBI ground up, RBI the Anthony Rizzo out. special. Yeah, the Anthony Rizzo special. Rafael Devers <laughs> with, with that RBI ground out. Perfect. So, um, we'll take it. We'll, we'll take it. There you go. Metsies are up one nothing. And a little update for you. As speaking of the Tom's River kid. 
Solo? He goes boom. The solo shot off of Kyle Fraley. Fun fact, did you know that Todd Frazier's from Tom, uh, Tom's River, New Jersey, and he played in the Little League World Series? I had no idea. Did you know he had, uh, but did you know that he was once on the mound with Derek Jeter at Yankee Stadium? No way. Yeah. It's almost like any time I see Todd Frazier ever, that's what the people talk about. I, I never knew it was possible, to be honest with you. Shocking. But it's true. It really is. So that's it one nothing. Steven Matt's coming out to pitch the bottom of the first against the Rockies, who have their normal lineup in there for the most part. No cargo, but besides that. There you go. Uh, for the Mets, I, I, I don't know what their normal lineup is because they're all terrible. So I uh, their normal lineup consists of Nemo at the top. Okay. Them two hole will be as Jubal Cabrera, who I wouldn't be surprised if he had the day off. Day off? Because he got injured last night. Yep. Um, and the two hole, who's in this? It's Todd Frazier. It is, yeah. Three is Conforto. Sure. Four is. See, four has usually been Todd Frazier. I'm going to guess four is Jose Batista. He's not. He's fifth. Okay. Riveting radio for sure. Dom Smith? No, Dom Smith's not playing today. I don't know. The other first base, one more Flores, though. He's back oh, to clean up. Uh, five is Batista. Six, Kevin Ploiecki. Seven, Jose Reyes. Eight, Ahmed Rosario. I hate Kevin Ploiecki. <laughs> like, I've never liked this guy. Let's take a break here. It's Fantasy Baseball Hour. Your BFFs are filling in for the great legend, Al Melchior. We'll be back with some bullpen news and notes here on the other side. BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis. Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Back with you here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Florio and Sussman here filling in for Al Melchior is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. We appreciate you, you watching us live on digital and certainly listening uh, to Al's show. If you're looking for Al, uh, he's away for the next couple of days. He will be back for the Tuesday edition of the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Uh, both Friday and Monday, you'll get Florio. Frankly, back Monday, we get Florio myself. That was Eminem with, like, Nate Dogg, I think. Is there 50 Cent in that either? It might be. I can't put my finger on the name of it, though. Get down, get down, get down, get That. I need to know the name of it. Is that JP? It's off the re-up, I believe. I'm almost positive you're right. Nope, JP got nothing either? Shake that. Oh, shake that. All right, obviously. It's a bad job. It's a bad job us. Let's get into some bullpen news, Florio, as we continue here. So the Phillies had a safe chance, and once again, they went back to Arana. He got an out, and that was it. They went to Adam Morgan. Now, I've watched a lot of Adam Morgan. It hasn't always been very pretty. Like, I have no interest in picking up that guy. Am I being stubborn? I don't think so. That was his first save of the year. Uh, I, I'm guessing uh, Dominguez wasn't available because he didn't pitch at all. Uh, Udube Ramos came in, and, and he once again... You love your Udube Ramos. He got five outs. He bridged their way into this ninth inning, which they then got into trouble. I, I do think he is the best 
outside of Dominguez. I think they are the two best pitchers there. So those are the two I'm going to continue to say I think we'll get save opportunities there. But Morgan last night became the seventh Phillies pitcher this year to record a save. So that tells you just how annoying this scenario has been. And it's not like, oh, yeah, well, seven pitchers have saves, but their guys have been injured or something like that. They've had their same options all year long. Seven of them have had saves. No clear option in Philadelphia. You're only going to frustrate yourself. Uh, it certainly looks like uh, Sir Anthony and Udebre. Ooh, wow, Stan just, oh, I thought he crushed it. He flew out. Oh, my God. Not a signature moment? Not a signature moment. Um, both these guys are, are very, very good. They're probably the two best pitchers in the bullpen, as you've constantly said, Mike. But because they're so good, it's almost better to use them in the role that they're in. I, if I'm speculating on anyone here, though, it's them because not only may they get just as many saves as the other guys, they're going to get you strikeouts. They're going to give you good ratios. Unlike, I don't trust like Adam Morgan. Like you said, you watched a lot of him. He's not very good. The um, the Giants bullpen. Sam Dyson had a three-run lead last night. Got the first two outs, but allowed two runs on four hits and could not finish it. Someone named Reyes Moranta came in to close out the game. Tony Watson pitched the seventh. Melanson pitched the day before. He does not pitch two nights in a row. Sam Dyson, so Sam Dyson get the next opportunity for San Francisco. I'm going to guess he will, but I've been saying... All week since Hunter Strickland stupidly punched the wall, I I don't trust Sam Dyson, and I, I that's not really going to change. I I get it that if you need saves, you have to pick him up because he is right now the guy getting them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Watson gets a chance. I wouldn't be surprised if once they do start letting Melanson go in back to back days, if he gets a chance. The re I, I didn't know. I'll give credit to where it's due. I didn't know that Mark Melanson hasn't pitched back-to-back days all year until Adam Ronis brought it up last night. And once he said that, it clicked to me. That's probably why they're not naming him the closer because you can't name a closer a guy that you can only use every other day. Right. We saw Shane Green go four days in a row. Yeah. Mark Melanson can't go more than one day in a row. Yeah, so that's why he's not named the closer right now. I wouldn't be surprised if once he starts, they they are ramping up his workload if he takes the job over. But – Sam Dyson is what Sam Dyson is. It's going to be a rocky road with him every entire time you own him. Uh, I agree. I, I think Sam Dyson gets the next shot. I can see Tony Watson getting a shot here. Um, but ultimately... Um, the guy who got it last night, I had never heard of. Never heard of. Never heard of. Honestly, if you, if you tell me... I've, I've deleted that note. Reyes Montaz. Okay. Montaz, however you say it, but I had... Reyes Maranta. Maranta, there you go. I, I told you how like I said, little I, I knew deleted about the him. note and you forgot his name that, that quickly. That's how irrelevant he is for our purposes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach Britton pitched, obviously, last night for Baltimore. He pitched the eighth, got the first down the ninth, then they went to Brad Brock. What do you make of this? I think Britton's getting closer to taking that job back. I didn't, I wasn't watching the game, so I don't, maybe my inclination is that the first batter in the ninth inning was probably a lefty. Um, but. Regardless as much, I'm surprised Britain hasn't already been thrown back in as the closer. Same, especially just like you trade him. Yeah. I know they're going to probably try and trade Brock and give in to Noday and that whole bullpen, but Britain is the crown jewel. And you think you would want to showcase him and be like, look, he's fully back from this injury. Yep. He's ready to take over. And it's not like Brad Brock has been great this year either. So I do think Britain is getting closer and closer to taking it. The thing that sucks, though, is you've held him all year. You haven't gotten any saves out of him yet, and by the time they're probably ready to start using him as the closer, he could get traded to a team and be a setup man. 
100%. The entire Orioles bullpen is up for grabs. The most valuable commodity in that bullpen should be Zach Britton. You got to showcase him. Yeah. You have to. You absolutely have to. But the Orioles haven't done anything um, smart in a very long time. Uh, I was actually reading an article before the show about the Orioles, how Peter Angelos, um, at 89 years old, is taking a step back. His two sons are, are running things. And there's a lot of confusion of who's going to run. Should be the general manager? Who's going to be the manager? There's going to be a lot of changes in Baltimore moving you forward. Think Zach Britton is not happy that his, his career signature moment is a game he didn't even appear in? I, no, I think he's thrilled, Floria. <laughs> I, I think he's thrilled. It's a bad moment to have, just sitting in the dugout by yourself. Unbelievable. Look, Show Walter should never be forgiven for that. All right. Um, Jake Diekman got the save uh, for Texas last night. Keanu Keeler pitched the last two nights. Nothing to see here, but interesting to note that Diekman got the save. I always think it's you were the one who brought this up. Uh, I there was a when Roberto Osuna went down. Yeah. I know it didn't translate in that scenario, but I yeah. do think it's always worth keeping an eye on when a closer's unavailable. I agree. Who they use. Like with the Tigers, they always use Joe Jimenez. So we, Jimenez. So we know that next in line should be him. I think that's what this is kind of showcasing us when the Rangers have a lot of options if Keone Keller was to go down. Yeah, I, I very much with you on, on that one. Finally, the Astros had a four-run lead in the ninth. Who'd they turn to? They're closer-ish. Ken Giles. To me, this is a positive, not, right? Not telling, but it is a little positive because Hector Rondon pitched the other day, first reliever out of the pen, picked up the loss there. Has and He's been pitching very well, but... I, as I've kind of been the Ken Giles guy on the BFFs. I'm going to continue to say, like, I think Ken Giles has done nothing to lose his job. He hasn't blown a save this year. I get it. He gave up four runs against the Yankees. The Yankees are probably the best hitting team in baseball. 844 843 That's 844-843-6879. Our buddy Ryan in St. Louis is on the line. What's up, Ryan? I couldn't let you guys go an hour and a half and uh, me not call in. It was just too tempting. <laughs> What's up, so dude? I, uh, I want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout out to Dave Bot. He's go, he's going through a he's going through a hard time. So uh, we we got your back. We do so you know. we do. We appreciate you watching. We support you. We, we love you. Uh, we hope everything works out. Okay. Uh, so what are you guys doing with Daniel Murphy? What what do you think? Are we because he has looked like uh, crap since he's come back. I mean, he's terrible. Are, are we hold, are you holding? Are you trying to sell? Are you buying? He's going to be eligible at first base in like two days because he's playing first base. So I don't know if that makes a difference. What do you do with Daniel Murphy, Mike Florio? I think it's not the answer you probably want to hear, but I think you just sit tight. First of all, yeah, Ryan is right. He has played four games at first base in a lot of leagues. He plays one more. He has first base eligibility. Mm -hmm. Who knows? He might be at playing first base tonight. I haven't seen if their lineup is out yet, but it's been bad with, with Daniel Murphy. I'm not going to say it hasn't been. He's batting barely over 100. He, his walk, he's not really walking at all. Not striking out a whole lot. He's striking out more than he normally does, but not, I mean, 17.2% in today's game is awesome. It's been eight games. That's it. I think you could, if you throw him on your bench, fine. I, I said last week I would have benched him until he kind of showed me that he's back. We often see players, especially players who miss spring training and miss this much of the season, come back and be a little slow. I, I, I think Daniel Murphy is going to take a little bit of time to get the rust off, get back into game speed. Yeah, he's playing. He played some rehab. He played some extended spring training. That doesn't replicate the MLB game. So, I do think if you've drafted Daniel Murphy and you've held him, you can't cut bait with him after eight games. Listen, I'm one thousand percent with you, Mike. So Daniel Murphy's three for twenty-eight right now. Twenty-eight at bats ultimately, 
and it's his first eight games in the majors. It's been, it's been two weeks. In the minors, he only played 10 games. He was 9 for 37 in the minors. And I know you want to hear that everything's going to be okay immediately. It's not. Like, how many, on average, how many at-bats do, do hitters get in spring training? you have any idea? I'd imagine a lot. It's a month, month's worth of baseball. I know you're not playing the whole game, but I'd imagine probably anywhere from what, like 100-plus? Uh, I would think so. So, in total, he's got 73 at-bats between the minors and the majors this year. He's technically still in his spring training. Yeah, easily. Very much so. So I think you, you hold Daniel Murphy. Because if you trade him now, you're not going to get anything. And think about this. It's not like when Daniel Murphy, we knew Daniel Murphy was hurt coming into the year. And at first, I was like back in like January, I was kind of on the, if you get him at a discount, I'll take Daniel Murphy. But as draft season went on, all of us, me, you, and Frank were in agreement. There was not a discount on Daniel Murphy. Right. You, were, you were getting him in like the sixth, seventh round. You took him there and spent that draft capital knowing that you're probably going to go two months without him. It was a little bit longer. You can't cut him after it. You just can't. And you can't trade him right now. Like you said, you're not going to get anything. Throw him on your bench, and when he starts picking it up, you put him back in your lineup. It's really, and it's, it's ultimately. Um, He's still hitting like this now come August. Then it's a different conversation. Right. But we're one week in. Literally, it's eight games. We can't freak out about that. So uh, hold on to Daniel Murphy uh, and, and hope for the best. Um, speaking of Daniel Murphy, that wants me to bring up Ryan Zerman because you've gotten a lot of Daniel Murphy at first base, as, as we've seen. He's clearly not ready. He's not even playing his position. That's, that's how not ready Daniel Murphy is. So Ryan Zerman on the year, 217, five home runs, 11 runs scored, and 16 RBI. For Zimmerman, it's been a disaster of a year, right? Like as great of a renaissance year we saw last year, 36 homers by far a career high, batting over 300 for the first time in his career. Like everything that went well last year, it's been the opposite this year. The Bavis, 100 points uh, different, striking out slightly less, but he's not getting on base at all. I mean, it's a 280 on base percentage. What has gone wrong this year for Ryan Zimmerman, Mike? Well, first, the, the injury update on Ryan Zimmerman, he only began uh, taking swings and fielding grounders uh, this week, so we're probably still a couple weeks away from seeing him. Yep. And the other thing, for, besides the injuries, I thought coming into the year, last year's Ryan Zimmerman was very fluky. First of all, he stayed healthy. He hasn't done that in a very long time. And then he said he bought into this whole airball revolution and i remember looking back at his numbers and being like no you didn't your batted ball profile is the same that it's always been you just you had a higher babbit last year. so i kind of thought ryan zimmerman last year was too fluky he had remember an incredible like six weeks uh stretch and then the rest of the year was kind of ryan zimmerman of what he normally always is but that hot six weeks boosted his overall season numbers I was never a big Ryan Zimmerman guy. I think I had him ranked, ranked outside of my top 20 at first base. So I wasn't buying it. And if you did, I mean, you had to expect him to miss time. You probably had to expect his numbers to regress back to the mean because last year he hit 36 home runs, a career high. When did, the last time he topped 30 home runs was in 2009. I get it, the juice ball and everything, but I wasn't expecting the average to continue to jump and the home runs to continue to jump. I think if you drafted Ryan Zimmerman, you probably got fooled by last year's numbers. You got fooled, for sure. What did he, what did he cost you, Mike? 
I don't think he, a lot of people were off of Ryan yeah. Zimmerman, so he was going for cheap. I, I was lower on him than I think were even where he was going, but you didn't have to draft him as a top 12 or I don't even think top 15 first baseman. He was more of a corner infield slash utility hitter. Um, Yeah, I, I... I think you can cut bait with him. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I, I'd be shocked if you didn't already, probably. Yeah. Um, a couple of quick notes from last night before we hit the break. Uh, Byron Buxton played in a rehab game, so he's coming back, which is good news, obviously. Jose Martinez, I thought he suffered a nasty injury, a nasty collision at first base. Uh, but it sounded like from Virginia earlier that he's fine. Yeah, and apparently him and the Cardinals both say like he's going to test it out and see if he can play. Pretty cool. I'd give him a couple days off. Same. If I was a manager, I feel like any time a player got it, even if it looked bad and it wasn't, I'd be like, listen. Unless it's like, the, you know, we're playing for our lives, I'd be like, take a day or two off. Take a day. You deserve it. Jose Martinez is crushing it. I don't want him to risk. Right. Like, but you also need, if you're Mike Matheny, you also need that bat in the lineup. You do. Um, with a rainout, by the way, the Brewers are not going to start Freddie Peralta on Sunday. So it ruins his two-start week. Why? I don't, like, he's one of your five best starters. I don't understand. They don't need a fifth starter until next weekend now. So there was some talk. He's one of your four best starters. I don't understand. I, I agree with you. I, I'm not defending this decision, but what I read... Apparently, there's like internal discussions at Milwaukee if they could send him down, get an extra player up until they need him again next weekend, which makes sense because I, he's probably the only one that of the five that they can send down. The other five, four are all veterans. Right. But still, he's, one, he's pitched well enough to earn more starts. He is, I agree with you, one of your best pitchers. At least he has been so far. Let the kid go out there and pitch. Exactly. Give him an opportunity. He's proven all he has to prove in the minor league level. It makes no sense. Alan Hansen, who we also thought was hurt after yesterday's game, yes, he's fine. He was writhing in pain. Yeah, it looked bad, too. And as someone who just picked him up, and uh, we, we picked him up, and I picked him up in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I was sad because I was like, great. Like, I picked him up, and now he's going to be out the rest of the week. But he says he's fine. I wouldn't be surprised, again, if he gets a couple of days because they can put Pablo... Sandoval at third base, use Brandon Belt at first. They've kind of been mixing and matching those three, giving Belt some rest days here and there, and the other two have been splitting time at third base. But I, because they have the options, I would not be surprised if we don't see him for a couple of days. Last note uh, that I want to get to, then I'm going to start asking about random players I'm interested in. Um, Felix Hernandez, last two outings was against the Red Sox and the Yankees. He's been dropped, obviously, in quite a few places. Is he worth picking up? Felix's numbers on the season are terrible, but I do think it's worth noting that his last two outings, I know last night was only five innings, but one earned run, six strikeouts against the Yankees, only one walk, and the start before that, seven innings, two earned runs, six strikeouts, one walk against the Red Sox, two of the better hitting teams in baseball. Before that, his start was atrocious, and then he had that game against the the Rays where he went eight innings, seven strikeouts, one earned run. So three of his last four outings have been really good. Not that I think he's turning back the clock and ever going to be what he used to be, but I do believe that there is such thing as name recognition, and if Felix Hernandez can string together a few outings, if you pick him up and start shopping him, you may be able to turn that into a better player than something on your waiver wire. That's my thinking when it comes to Felix Hernandez. Yeah. Um, okay, I can buy that. I, I don't that. think he's ever going to be. I think there's way too many innings on that arm, and he's kind of done, but... If he strings together four or five good outings, people, some people might say, hey, Felix Hernandez might be back. I'll give you Vince Velasquez for him or something like that. 
love Vinny Velasquez. I do too. I'd rather have Vinny Velasquez. Yeah, I'd much rather have Vinny. Use right. the first name that came to my head. Let's take a break. When we come back, there's a bunch of players that have gotten unlucky. There's some players I want to know about. I'm going to ask Mike a whole bunch of them right after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. With you here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I am Greg Sussman, filling in for Al Melchior, along with Mike Florio, because one man themselves cannot fill in for Al Melchior. Oh, no. Either of us on a horse? No. No, we don't. We don't. That is strike three, and he's out anyway. No big deal. Cool. Uh, just like Al would, I'm giving you Yankee. I'm giving you baseball updates, live baseball updates. Uh, the New York Yankees uh, go to the bottom of the eighth inning. They're up 4-3 to three over the Seattle Mariners. A reaction to that? No. Okay. Would you like a reaction? Uh, would you like some other scores? Not really. Okay. Well, because <laughs> Al, Al would do it. You know, Al keeps his update. The Red Sox are now up 8 to nothing on the Minnesota Twins. Had they get the last three runs? Well, that was thanks to... Andrew Benintendi with a two-run shot, and then Mitch Moreland had an RBI double. Bring off eight nothing. The New York Mets, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, are losing. They're down three-one over the Rockies. This is why you didn't want the update. How did How did Colorado score? How do you think Colorado scored? Home run, but who hit it? Who do you think hit it? Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado with his sixteenth home run of the season. Nolan Arenado kills the Mets. Nolan Arenado, same elk as Mookie Betts, and those guys. MLB needs to do a better job promoting. You're right. I've watched the Rockies the last few nights because they're playing the Mets. And Nolan Arenado, like, everyone knows how good he is as a fielder. But until you watch him live for, like, a couple games in a row and see the difficult plays that this guy makes look routine, you you don't appreciate it. Bad job with the MLB. Bad job with the MLB. Pretty tight, though, that I own Nolan Arenado. He's the best. Yeah, he's awesome. I love him. He's going to win a six-go glove this year. He probably should be in the MVP discussion. Yep. Mm-hmm. He had a starter? I'm looking at my matchup now. and uh, My matchup changed a bit. Oh, yeah, James Paxton. All right, no big deal. That stunk. And he had Kyle Freeland. The Mets will put up some runs, right? You hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wanted to ask you about some random players here. Some guys have been unlucky, and then some guys I just don't know enough about. And I'm going to start with the guys I don't know enough about because there's a guy I was looking at when I was looking at shortstops. And he was on the waiver wire, and I was like, I need to know more. And that was with Addison Russell. And I don't know if I asked you, I asked everybody else this. I don't think I asked you about Addison Russell, right? 
So Addison Russell is a guy I never want to own in fantasy baseball, right? He's a dude that bats 240 every year. He's got power, but everyone's got power. I don't, I don't care, right? This year, through 64 games, there's been no power. Three homers. He doesn't run. He's got two steals. But the average is significantly higher than it's ever been. He's at 282. The on-base percentage, significantly higher than it's ever been. It's at 358. Of course, the one constant here. The Babbitt, significantly higher than it's ever been at, two, at 361. Are these signs that Addison Russell has improved as a player or that he's getting lucky as a player? I think a little bit of both. Uh, you look at it, yeah, the average is higher, and my first thought was, wow, his BABIP is extremely high. He's never had a BABIP really over nearly, three, nearly, nearly this high. His rookie year, it was, it was 324. The only other time it's been over 300. His strikeout rate, though, is on par with the last two seasons. And that, to me, was like, all right, I guess he's, he's still striking out just as much. No, no real growth there. But then you look at it, his swinging strike rate continues to improve. It has gotten lower every year he's been in the MLB. His chase rate is down. He is not chasing as many pitches out of the zone, which leads me to believe that's probably why his uh, strike rate, uh, strikeout rate, while it's still the same, while his bad is a little bit higher because he's not just free swinging at everything. And not only that, though, his line drive rate is up like 3% this season, which is a, a positive sign. I'm sorry, 4%. But the thing is, I think he's lucky because hard hit rate is actually down to the lowest lower than last year at 30.9%. And this is when we're seeing hard hit rates across the league be up this year. He's hitting the ball in the air basically as much as he was last year. Still hits the ball on the ground uh, more than, than either line drives or in the air. So I do think that average has been very inflated by that high BABIP. And if I own Addison Russell, there's really nothing for me to be excited about because even though he's giving you 282 batting average, which is good in today's landscape, it's right. not like a few years ago where guys regularly hit 300. Mm -hmm. 282 is very good. What else? He's giving you runs, and that's it. Yeah, that's an issue. You know, but, but there is more power to come, isn't there? I, the hard hit rate is down. The fly ball rate's down a percent. He's hitting the ball on the ground still primarily more than he is doing anything else. I, I don't really. To me, Addison Russell is more of a big name without ever really giving you production. Okay. So, because of the prospect yeah. hype. I get it. Listen, I, I, I get it. Now, before the show, we were talking about some guys that have gotten really unlucky, particularly in the last 30 days. So I want to take a look at that. Some guys that have just been really, really unlucky over the last 30 days. So I look at their Babbitt. That's what we were just talking about Addison Russell. So as I do that, over the last 30 days, the player that has the worst Babbitt in Major League Baseball is arguably the player that has the worst Babbitt in Major League Baseball all season long, and that's Gary Sanchez. He's hit two home runs over the last 30 days. The average sits at a disgusting 122, and OBP not much better at 235. But his batting average of balls in play, 143. Gross. Not only is it 143, to put that into context, the next lowest is Logan Morrison at 167. So that's a pretty large gap there. Like, he's been significantly the worst Babbitt, uh, has the worst Babbitt over the last 30 days. And last I checked, I haven't checked uh, yet today, but as of uh, either yesterday or the day before, he did have the lowest Babbitt in all of baseball. He's hitting below 200. It's... The end of June, like, we're three months into the season. Yeah. And the reason for the low Babbitt part of it is because when he does make contact, it leaves the stadium. And home runs obviously don't get factored into your Babbitt. But 
To me, the other alarming sign looking at Gary Sanchez, you compare him to some of the other guys. Like, let's take the top 10 lowest uh, BABIPs for the past 30 days. There's two hitters that have a lower hard hit rate than, than Gary Sanchez is. One is Gerard Dyson, who never makes hard contact, and the other is Trey Mancini. Gary Sanchez's head and shoulders better than both of those guys. Absolutely. So the fact that his hard hit rate is 23.5% over the last 30 days, and we know his BABIP has been terrible all year, the fact that he's hitting the ball on the ground 40% in that time and has an infield fly ball rate of 35%, something is wrong with Gary Sanchez right now. And I saw people on Twitter yesterday like, Gary Sanchez is about to have a month like Evan Gaddis just had. Mm-hmm. And that is possible because we've seen Gary Sanchez put monstrous streaks together. His first year up in the big leagues, remember, he had that like 30-day period where he hit like a home run almost every night, it felt like. But you look at it, there is a lot to be discouraged by right now in Gary Sanchez's batted ball profile. So can he, is he capable of ha- breaking out and having a monstrous streak? Of course. Yes. But right now I'm worried. I think you have a right to be, as you said, as you pointed out at the beginning of your of your of your diatribe there. Gary Sanchez is batting under two hundred. It's not April or May anymore. It's gonna be July next week. That's not good. No, it's <laughs> someone say bad. Also, so this is an interesting note, right? Your boy, CJ Crone, he's on this list also inside the top five. One eighty two BABIP over the last month. Five home runs uh, in that time frame. Two eighty eight OBP. So I think. He'll still get better. Yeah. He'll, he'll come back to, back, not back to where he was, but like. The Babbitt will get better because, like you said yesterday on the BFFs, it's been since June 1st where he only had a home run or like, he, that was his only hit was a home run, and that doesn't get factored in to the Babbitt. Honestly, I'm going to pull up CJ Crone's numbers for the last 14 days because I wouldn't be surprised if his Babbitt is zero then. Like, if he hasn't had a hit since June 1st that's not a home run. Nothing would have factored into his BABIP then. I'm going to pull that up while we right talk. Now. I'll do it right now. Okay. I do think C.J. Crone is going to get better. But the thing with C.J. Crone is when you drafted him late or picked him up off the waiver wire, you didn't do so expecting in the last high. In the last 14 days, C.J. Crone's BABIP is zero. There you go. Because all <laughs> of his have been home runs. So that doesn't get factored into your BABIP. That's really hard to do. And we should honestly be more impressed, I think, than anything with, what, with that. crazy. But you drafted him for power. So he's still hitting home runs. And, and I think I kept I said it before the year. I know you were also a CJ Crone guy. I thought he would hit 30 home runs this year. He's on pace to top that. So I feel good right now about CJ Crone in the power department. I wish he would, you know, obviously put a ball in play that would find grass, but he's not gonna have his zero Babbitt forever. Looking at the last 14 days, there's two second basemen um that really interest me. That Babbitts are incredibly, incredibly low over the last two weeks. I'll start with Brian Dozier. So I don't own Brian Dozier anywhere. I'm never the Brian Dozier guy. I don't know why, because he's awesome. But I'm never the Brian Dozier guy. On the year, 225. 302 OBP. The Babbitt sits at 246. 10 home runs, 42 runs scored, 30 RBI. The counting stats are there. What's going on with Brian Dozier? What do you make of it? I remember I got asked about Brian Dozier early in the year. And we were at a point where I was still like, yeah, I know there's a lot of red flags right now, but it's still early April or May. Like, Brian Dozier is very capable. He does it every year, it feels like, of having a monstrous half. Like, I know one year he had a monstrous first half. There was that one year where he had, like, 30 home runs in the second half. But 
right now, I look at Brian Dozier, and I am a little bit worried. We're deep enough into the season, and I think it's worth pointing out over the last 30 days, while his BABIP is 237, his hard hit rate is 44.3%. So you would expect that to at least translate into some hits. He's, he's part of the 40-40 club that I always reference, 40%, over 40% hard hit rate, over 40% fly ball rate. So I do expect better numbers to come from there. But we get to a point where it's like, all right, like, it, like is Brian Dozier not going to be able to just turn it on and have a miraculous second half that saves his value this year? Because as of right now, He's done nothing to live up to that value. And fun fact about Brian Dozier, I actually I saw a stat on Twitter the other day. By far the worst Twins hitter in history in late and close moments. Like, he hits like 120. That's really interesting. So, yeah, you don't ever want Brian Dozier coming up in the big moment. No, you, you probably don't. Uh, the other basement that I wanted to bring up, Jonathan Scope. I got a question about Jonathan Scope earlier this week. I had no answer. I was like, I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Scope. So let me look into it. And I did. 213 average, 261 OBP. The BABIP is terrible at 244. The counting stats, not nearly as good as Brian Dozier's. Seven home runs, 28 runs scored, just 17 RBI on the year for Jonathan Scope. Yeah, remember uh, there was a couple weeks ago where we were looking, or we were trying to add some power to uh, our GDD team, and Jonathan Scope was a name that we threw out, and I, I kind of paused, and I was like, I don't really feel great about him because... There was a lot of warning signs. like, And in the last 30 days, his BABIP is not good at all. His hard hit rate is like 25%. So what is he doing? I get it. He's still hitting the ball in the air. You like that. But he's not hitting the ball hard. He's a guy who is always going to strike out a decent amount. Yes, has he been unlucky? Yes. But I don't think John Scope is going to live up to draft day expectations. I, 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 think, I, don't, I don't see how it's going to ha- happen. Some other names on this list. Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, we've talked about him. Nick Castellanos has gotten cold as of late. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Matt Olson, I think, has the second highest hard hit rate over the past 30 days. So I, I would expect that to turn around. He's kind of like a CJ Crone, though. He's always going to be a lower Babbitt guy because he hits the ball in the air a lot. And also, a lot of the times the ball leaves the park that doesn't factor in Babbitt. So, so there you go. Uh, that's pretty good. We got about five minutes left in the show. I'm gonna head to you guys in the YouTube chat. See if you guys have anything going on that uh, you want me to mention. Let's see here. I, I don't know. We appreciate uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us for the last two hours. Again, we're gonna fill in for Al tomorrow. We're gonna fill in for Al on Monday as well. No Frank tomorrow. So Florian and I uh, and Modica will take it for two hours. Before we go, I also want to note. That if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Sign up and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Greggy, can we talk about Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Because uh, Lance Davis just wrote in the chat that he's pitching tonight. And he's been an interesting one because I know it's only three games. He has not pitched well so far this year the velocity was down in that middle start against Miami he did uh bounce back and pitch decent enough last time out against the Dodgers six innings three earned runs but again he's gone three games now where he's pitched into the sixth in all three 
In the one where he against Miami where he went five in the third, they were pulling him anyway. He got ejected for arguing balls and strikes. He has three strikeouts in every game. That, to me, is, is very uncharacteristic sure. of Madison Bumgarner. I, in one league, drafted Madbum the day before he got hurt. So I had to ride out and hold him all year, obviously. But And then he's come back, and I've had him in my lineup. He's in my lineup again tonight. But so far, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm worried it's three outings as he comes back from a hand injury, but I'm a little scared like with what I've seen so far out of Madison Bumgarner. I, I think it's fair to be concerned. I'm not worried yet. I, I think I know we made the excuses last year, and I like when we talk, when we talked about our uh, rankings of the tier. I was like, listen, fluke injury, it doesn't matter, right? Let's throw it out. Well, another fluke injury this year. year, and he's struggling a bit again this year. Now I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it's a fluke injury and he's coming back from. Or I don't know if it's diminishing stuff, which is a billion innings on that arm. The only pitch that he and that is is a great point because I like people say, oh, well, Mad Bomb, he's twenty eight years old. He's twenty eight years old, but he's like a Felix Hernandez twenty eight years old. Felix Hernandez isn't much older, but just has so much wear and tear on that arm. Mad Bomb is in the same camp, and not only is Mad Bomb in that same camp, you got to add in all the playoff innings Madison Bumgarner has thrown. But looking at his pitches this year, in three games that he's gone. About 18 innings in. He has four swings and misses with his fastball. Three with his changeup. Zero with his slider. Two with his curve. And then a bunch with his cutter. So people are swinging and missing at his cutter, which looking at last year's game logs, has always been his primary swing and miss pitch. But his curveball generates a lot of swinging and misses in years past. Has generated not no in neither none of the games this year more than one swing and miss. His fastball is consistently around, you know, like four or five swings per misses per game. Two zero two in his three games this year. That's a little bit concerning. It is concerning, and it's something you have to watch. But unfortunately, there's not much you could do because you listen. You could trade him. You could trade him because he's still Madison Bumgarner. Maybe this is the opportunity that you that you do that. If he pitches poorly tonight, would you try and shop him on name recognition alone? Yeah, I think I would. Like I know Frank in our points league is always looking for a pitcher to trade for Charlie Blackman. Mad Bum doesn't pitch great tonight. I'm going to shoot him that offer. Let's see if Frank's listening. Two hours the BFFs are done. I want to thank Al for giving us the opportunity to fill in for him here in the Fantasy Baseball Hour. We're going to do it again tomorrow. There's two hours, two hours of us tomorrow, two hours of us on Monday. Tomorrow on the show, we'll have a lot of time to go over two-star pitchers and players uh, and waiver wire guys. It'll be fun. For Michael Florio and for Matt Modica, my name is Greg Sussman. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.